Welcome to the Designated Drinker Show, the podcast that's raising the bar on craft cocktails. I am your host, Louise Salas, and with me, as always, is my very, very talented friend. She is the cat's meow in my book, the mixtress DC Gina. <laughs> Purr. Hi, Louise. How are you? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I mean, that's pretty cute. I like it. Um, you like I'm it? Good. I am here at Last Call in DC, and in a bar that's not open, unfortunately, for a little longer. We're working on it. We're going to get there. You know, We're going to get there. I know. It's just so sad to be in an abandoned bar. I feel like I have to come here and visit it, you know, just to keep the soul alive. Yep. Pour a little spirit out for the spirits that are in that building. Yeah. And then open the spirits every now and again and drink some. I don't yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. So I want to go back to when we were kids. When I was a kid, we used to play this arcade game named Stargate. And you, were, you flew, you kind of, it was like a horizontal landscape and you flew this spaceship and you fired your enemies. And it was tons of fun. And I spent many of my father's quarters that I used to steal off the top of the dresser because he would put them up there and he didn't think I could find them, but I did. I was a terrible child. But I want to talk today about another type of Stargate and it's called Project, Stargate Project, um, which was um, in 1991 code name for a secret US Army unit that was established back in 1978 and crazy enough, not far from here at Fort Meade, Maryland, not far from you at all, um, by the Defense Intelligence Agency Defense Intelligence Agency, easy for me to say, and it was to investigate the potential of psychic phenomena. And they were using it in the military and domestic intelligence intelligent applications. Obviously, need a shot. Um, it was, um, and at, and the crazy thing is that actually they took five sister projects and really consolidated them into this one. And they all had their own unique um, code names. So it tells you how really invested we were as a government. Um, to, and we're financing these projects. And obviously they thought something was going on. Um, so what they really, uh, Stargate Project primarily um, focused on remote viewing, uh, which from my little research, it's uh, which is the ability to physically see events, sites, or information from a great distance. Um, obviously this would be quite um, valuable for military uh, and intelligence uh, applications. So anyway, it was a really relatively a small unit of people. They're only like 15 to 20 people, but the program, as far as you can tell on the internet, what you can actually find, it was, it ran for at least 17 years from what I understand. It was, and it was uh, terminated and declassified in 1995 um, by the CIA once they reported that it was no longer useful. Now it was no longer useful. Um, but in doing this research, I did end up on the CIA library and I kind of, I got some almost useless documents, uh, just more like uh, probably presentations that really didn't outline any of their, the outcomes of the, the experiment, kind of just outlined what they were doing, like what they were proposing to do in as the most vague terms possible. Um, but yeah, so, and then I did find a few that were completely redacted. You can't see anything. It's just a bunch of black lines. So uh, all that research probably just put me on the CIA watch list for not finding much of anything at all. <laughs> For, for our next guest, which is yeah, all about our next guest, exactly. So, which leads me to today's designated drinker. Thank you for the prompt. Um, she does far more than just stare at goats, if everyone gets that movie reference. Um, she is animal communicator Kat Ramey. Welcome to the show, Kat. Thank you. It's nice to be here. 
a lot, a whole lot of nothing just to get to you. <laughs> no, that was good. Well, you know, the CIA didn't didn't shed too much light on their actions. Imagine that. But that's uh, interesting. So, Kat, tell us what is an animal communicator? Okay. So an animal communicator uh, is a person who can speak to animals um, and they don't necessarily have to be right in front of them. Uh, so they can, if you will, telepathically talk to them. Um, you can feel what they're feeling, uh, sometimes see what they're seeing uh, and hear what they're saying. It depends on your strengths as a person, uh, which thing is more prevalent when you talk to them. So interesting, you know, you, so just so our listeners know, Kat did a session with my little Olivia, my little black two-year-old lab uh, a couple of days ago. It was so interesting. Gina, I cried, of course I did. Uh, <laughs> I know, I know. Um, but uh, so doing the research uh, for the intro, they, you know, as late as like two, 2014, Harvard was doing a study in University of Barcelona as well. I mean, these are like well-renowned universities doing a tele a research on telepathy and they conducted a study. I know it was University of Barcelona and it went, they were students speaking to a university in India and they use, it was really complicated and came with a chart. And I was like, there's no way I can explain this. But basically they were able to study and prove that they were sending messages tele through telepathically with no view of each other whatsoever. And it had to do with the ones and zeros and da 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 they were doing to, to follow up from like a, uh, using technology to show what they could do um, holistically. It was really interesting, very hard to understand and very hard to explain, but it was as late as 2014. Well, I always explain to people, uh, everybody can do it. Uh, if that's you, crazy, you, to me. yeah, if you have, say you're thinking about a friend, you've been thinking about them every once in a while for a couple days, you haven't talked to this friend, maybe even in years. And all of a sudden your friends, your friend calls you, you're like, gosh, that's funny. I was just thinking about you. Yeah. You basically sent your friend a message. That's funny. Cause I was thinking about you too. You just didn't realize that you were doing it. It's crazy. So how did you get interested in it? How did I just got a whole bunch of chills and I have to be honest, I need to know everything now. Go. <laughs> I, I would just, like to do this immediately. <laughs> um, the, well, how I got into it was years ago, my grandmother lost her dog and she lost it. I think she lost it on like the highway or something. And she, like she, actually she had no idea where it was. Um, and my aunt, who she's a veterinarian in Pennsylvania, uh, knew another animal communicator called Anita Curtis, and they contacted her. And Anita said, the dog is surrounded in blue. There's a white picket fence out front. The dog is safe. And sure enough, like a week or so later, my grandmother gets a phone call. The, a person had picked up my grandmother's dog, hadn't seen the tags, right? I think it was an older person, hadn't seen the tags, finally saw them, called her. When my grandmother came to pick up the dog, sure enough, there was a picket fence, walks in, and the room that the dog is in literally has, it's all blue. All wow. Blue. So 
when I found, when they told me this story, I thought, oh my gosh, I've got to learn how to do this. So I contacted her and she taught me how to do it. And that was, I think about 15 years ago. And so I've been practicing a lot on my uh, friends and family's animals. Um, and just word of mouth kind of travels. People would call and ask me you know, to talk and, and you get better the more you practice, so. Random people call you, call your brother and say, hey, yeah, yeah. time you told me about your sister. Yeah. <laughs> we'll never on a podcast <laughs> about drinking. Right. First of all, that's the coolest thing ever. Like, oh, you, go ahead. So tell it, how, do you how do you concentrate enough to do that? Like, so you do you have to clear your mind. So if you're one of those people that constantly has everything going through your head, you do have to learn how to, to calm that part of you. Uh, and once you do that, then you can start to hear the animals. And it's interesting when I learned and see, I have a background in musical theater and theater. Um, and so my undergraduate degrees in voice, uh, musical theater. So when I started talking to the animals, I hear mostly words. But another person that was learning at the same time that I was, was an art teacher, and all she saw were pictures. So she was trying to identify what the animals were saying through the pictures that she was seeing. It's, it all really comes to you based on your strengths. So when you, it's funny, so Gina, when she was talking to Olivia, and I just, I rewatched it again this morning and prep for the show. Um, and I, and I told Kat, she did, Libby did this right away. So Olivia is a very licky dog. She likes this. She's nervous, so she kisses you a lot. A lot of kisses, a lot of kisses. And I was letting her kiss my hand while I was talking to Kat because I was sitting on the floor and Libby's right next to me and we're doing a Zoom. As soon as Kat stopped to speak to her, Olivia stopped. And I can, I'm not lying. You can watch it. Janice was there. Her head just dropped and she calmed herself. And it was almost as if, you know, like what you're doing right now. Like when, when someone says something to you and you're all of a like, wait, what'd you say? Like, and it was really her physical reaction was exactly that. And it was amazing. So Olivia chose to speak to Kat. Do they have voices? What? Yeah, what is Olivia? Okay, about? so when I talk to them, I hear my own voice in uh, my head, but depending on the dog's personality, you can really tell. So I talked to a guy who, it was an actor, he was more like a comedian. He talked to his cat and I would laugh. I, I'm sure I, was, I look, probably looked nuts. <laughs> I, I would laugh at whatever the cat was saying because this cat, it, he, it spoke a lot like his owner and it was just really spunky and it totally different from my personality. So uh, sometimes puppies, they're you know a lot, they've got a lot of energy and it comes through that way. Um, the, they might be talking fast, um, but it's my inner voice that I hear. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, that makes sense. Do you think that like with, go ahead, Gina. No, 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 go ahead. You finish and then I'm gonna ask a question. Go ahead. I was saying, do you think that when you hear them, do, is that you knowing the owner comes sometimes influence the way you hear it, like what your inner voice, because it's your inner voice kind of translating, right? And I forgive me if I'm not saying that correctly, in that you hear, like you thought that cat was funny, 
Is it that the owner, knowing the owner, does that influence the way you hear them? Not what you're hearing, but well, how I don't. Sound. I don't always know the owner, so oh, I, so not necessarily. Oh. No, but I think it's funny that I mean, if I have known the owner, um, which the majority of the time I have, uh, it's funny how animals will take off they what they're around, like so. I had I have a fil- I have a filthy mouth at home, and I had a cat that oh wow you're hanging I mean, out with the range yeah he knew <laughs> he knew he I mean he, he wow he learned from me I'm sure so you know there's a little bit of that yeah yeah that's funny all right I have a cat at home and I 100 percent think that that cat curses <laughs> I think that sometimes he looks it up and he and he's like please fuck off and like I'm wondering. Now, does the cat actually say that? Because there are sometimes when he looks at me and I'm like, you know, he, this, this cat fucking hates us. Like, and, like, and then there's times where he'll come over and he's like, I guess you can pet me. And I, now I'm thinking maybe I do know what the cat's saying. You, you might. <laughs> That's crazy. It's funny is when I was talking to Kat for the first time, I asked her, I, there was, I asked, I was like, are all cats just assholes? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I had cats. I had a cat before. I've had cats in my lives, and I don't think they're terrible animals. But sometimes, I mean, when you cat the dog, yeah, the cats, they're very they're a little bit of a, yeah, yeah, very much an asshole. So, do you ever speak to like like it just came to mind, which is very funny. We have raccoons. We have two little raccoons that are coming out. Have you ever like can like a non domesticated animal? Can you? Yes. Now, really. Uh, I don't know. They don't have a name necessarily, you know, so that's because I normally would need to know the name and know what the animal looks like. But if I'm right there and I see the animal, yes, I can typically talk to it. You always have to ask the animal if they want to talk. It's just like a person. There's some people that don't want to talk. So, you know, okay, never mind. But uh, you ask, can we talk? And if they say yes, then you can go ahead. I had, I'm a teacher during the school day and I, I had a skunk. We have, oh, we, <laughs> we, we are in a trailer, uh, we call it the outback. And we had a skunk living underneath our trailer. And I told my principal, I said, there's no way the skunk is going to leave if I tell it to go because it's living in like a mansion. Yeah. I mean, so, um, you know, there's some things I can't get them to do, but yes, you can talk to, and, but there's also kind of a rule if there are animals that are sort of communicating together, you're not really supposed to eavesdrop either. So there's rules. That's so interesting. Okay, hold on, Kat. Let's back up. So 100%, we just adopted a bunny, right? Okay. So now I own this cat and a bunny. Our friends couldn't keep their bunny anymore. It's a beautiful Angora bunny, and she is the sweetest thing ever, right? And we used to babysit her a few times in the year, and she was dropped off yesterday during a very horrific thunderstorm last night. And our cat, and we brought the bunnies inside and the cat, it's five o'clock this morning and everybody's running around and going, everything's going crazy. And I was just holding the bunny and it's just like, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. I didn't know what else to do. And the cat is all over me like, get that bunny out of your, and like in my mind, my, like, my spouse and I were, were having a monologue for them. <laughs> but like, I almost want to know now what do they say to each other 
because he the cat didn't try to attack the bunny or anything. He was he wanted my attention, and this poor thing was, I mean, shaking. It was a very bad thunderstorm, and now I'm like, I, I had to get on the phone with you. Have to tell him this bunny's gonna be okay. And also, is my cat from New York and does he curse? Because I feel like, <laughs> I feel like he's from the mean streets of Brooklyn and he's not from us. <laughs> Wonder where he gets that from. <laughs> I'm telling you, I. My, we got we got my cat that had the filthy mouth in Detroit. So. Oh. <laughs> yeah, he was a city cat. He was definitely a city cat. He he had that city attitude and he was big. That's took my Sheltie on. I mean, he, yeah. he's hardcore. He was. Wow. Yeah. We had a 22 pound ginger kitty and he was a lot like your cat, Gina, other than he didn't really want your attention. He liked to be in the room with you. He had his own way. He just liked to be with you in the room, wherever you were, he was, but he didn't want you to pet him or hold mm. him. And every once in a great while, he'd jump in my lap and I'd be like, oh, and I got to do it for like two minutes and that was it. And he was done. But he was 22 pounds, whatever he really wanted to do, he did. And he raised my golden retriever from the time she was this little puppy. And it was really cute. First, he had to be mean to her because he's going to establish the rules and just let them do their thing. And uh, but my money was, I mean, the dog's going to be 70 pounds, you know, so you got to let him establish it early on. And sure enough, he ran that dog. I mean, they played, they wrestled. It was so cute. The dog would try to get as low as she could to try to be small enough. And he'd jump on her back and he never scratched or hurt her. But I mean, my money was always on that cat. <laughs> he loved that dog. It was really cute, though. They wrestled and played and cat always came out all mauled and wet, but never hurt. So it was cute. I so. mean, oh my God, cat, it's so amazing. Tell us, wait. I have another question. I'm sorry. Do it, do it. Yes, absolutely. We both have so many questions for cats. cat is what it is. <laughs> so, so subconsciously, when you're giving dialogue to your animal, right? Is it because like you understand your animal? Like, so, like in a weird subconscious way when you're like, when you're able to like, and, and every owner of an animal does it. Like you have a voice or like this persona that you think that your animal has. Is that like... Like, is that accurate or people just put the persona onto the animal that they want them to have? I, my husband and I do that whole thing. Like, oh, it's probably saying this, blah, 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 blah. And it's not, the animal isn't necessarily saying that, which I'm not sure they're thrilled that we do that. But <laughs> we do that at our house all the time because it's funny, you know. But um, I, I, I think the personas that we've put on the animal, our animals at least, aren't exactly how they really are when they talk to me. Um, Cause I have a Yorkshire Terrier that's really quite the bitch. I mean, she's a bitchy little snobby thing. And uh, she, we talk about how she's in love with my husband. He's, he's number one, I'm number two. Our son is number three. She would really rather not have, you know, and we, we kind of make it into this thing that it, it, it really isn't. I mean, she, she does love my husband first um, and she is kind of snobby, but when I talk to her, she's, she's not, she doesn't speak that way necessarily. That's <laughs> I, I love this whole thing so much. I, I need you to, I need to present. I should have brought my cat to work today. Like, yeah, what's he saying? Because he'd be like this, like, please, you know. <laughs> you know, Since she read Livy, I mean, it was, everything that she was saying again was, which made me mad because Jay, my trainer, is like, see, I told you. Um, but it really was, um, 
It was it was it really spot on, and it, it spoke it validated a lot of things. Um, but I did think it was funny. I asked her what she thought of her sister, our other little yellow lab, um, and he she said, "Oh, she's fine. She's kind of a bitch." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's my ooey gooey buttercup one who loves everybody and sugar sweet and gives belly and doesn't f- pick a fight with anybody. And here's the one who wants to pick a fight with unknown dogs, calling the other one a bitch. I thought that was very funny because she won't do what that one wants oh. it to do though. That's why <laughs> wants her to do something, tells her to do something. And she's like, no. And then of course, that's what makes that, that animal that a bitch. You know, that's that hilarious. Yeah. How long did it take you to be able to learn? I know, like you said, you get better with time, mm-hmm. but just to get to the basics of uh, an understanding and is it different from every person? Is it your level of intuitiveness that allows I, you to? I, I'm not, I think, I think if you're really able to clear your mind, you're able to start doing it. But we practiced the very first time I learned, the first day, um, what we would do is we'd practice on other people that were learning. Um, And so first we would try and send, say, a picture of something and say, I'd say the word in my head and, and send it to that person and see if they picked up on it. And that's actually harder to do um, than talking to animals because humans we're kind of, all of us have this. I, it's kind of like before we had language, this is what we had. Um, and we've just kind of put it on the back burner and forgotten how to do it over time. So it's just kind of reaccessing that. So then I remember later in the day during the workshop, and this is the first day I've ever learned how to do it. You know, uh, I'm talking with another person who's the first time they've learned. And we're talking, they're talking to my animal. And I forgot what my animal's favorite food was, but I just asked anyway. I said, oh, what's his favorite food? And she said, cheese. And I went, because the person I had gotten that dog from said, oh, he loves cheese. He loves cheese. And I had completely forgotten about that conversation until this person said it. And that's when I was like, oh, my gosh. There really is something here. Now, that lady had gotten a picture of cheese in her head. Like, that's what she saw. And so that she said, cheese. <laughs> so that's cool. But yeah, I mean, that was the first day and we were doing it. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Are there a lot of people that can do this then? Yeah, I believe, I think the people that would have the hardest time doing it are people that just run, 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 run all the time in their head you know, really can't silence that, calm themselves down. Um, you really have to learn to calm yourself, clear your channel, basically. Um, so like the, a few days ago when I, right before I read your animal, I, I came in about an hour early and I really meditated, calmed myself down because I was nervous about doing, you know, about doing it. Um, and I knew I can't, I can't do that. I got to calm down in order to be able to do it. Um, of course, then once I've opened myself up, I could probably go home and I might be hearing animals where normally I would turn it off, sort of. Um, but I'll probably be hearing them or easily easily communicating with them if I've opened that up early on in the day. That's so uh, early on. Hey, so interesting. Do you go to a zoo and do this? Like, have you ever gone to a zoo oh. to like hear what the other oh. animals are doing? Okay, so I live in Maine <laughs> and I went to Great Animal Farm, and it's where they uh, have 
animals that have been hurt and stuff and they rehabilitate them and some have to stay there. And they had um, cougars and they were way oh, in, the, in the back. We have a lot of cougars here and where I live. <laughs> Maybe a different kind now. <laughs> and I, and I, I, I started talking to one of them and yeah, I didn't like it. My husband goes, oh my gosh, did you see it? Did you see it? Look, look at us like that. And I'm like, yeah, I was trying to get it to come over and it didn't want to. And it, <laughs> it was really, I mean, it was not happy that I tried. And that I've, I've had personally that experience where when I have talked to some animals in person, they kind of freak out. Like I was at a friend in Northern Virginia area's house and I guess her dog had never been talked to before. And I started trying to talk to it over, over in the corner and that dog turned and was growling and they had to take it out. Yeah. It was freaked out. It was freaked wow. out that I was standing there and that I could communicate with it. It obviously had not been communicated with before. Obviously. So sometimes for me, um, and I know different communicators feel differently, but for me, sometimes it's better almost to do it from a distance because then they're not as oh, if they've never presence. been right. If they've if they've never been communicated with before, really by a person, they tend to maybe like it a little bit better, but. Do you find the animals who live solitary lives have a heart? Have you had that experience where like meeting a dog that obviously there's very few humans that can communicate to them, uh, maybe communicate at them, <laughs> uh, but then maybe don't get a lot of exposure to other animals. Does that change it at all? It, it might. I haven't really talked to any like that, um, but I could see how it, it, it might come out a little differently, just like a person. It's just like yeah, a person. That's... If someone has been, you know, abused or whatever, it it's going to come out a little differently than, um, yeah, that it would probably, I mean, it all depends. I mean, you think of it, you think of how humans are. You've got humans that have experienced horrendous things and are okay. And, are okay, and then yeah. you have some that are ho horribly traumatized by whatever it is. It's the same thing with animals. So it really depends on, um, I had, I talked to, my mother-in-law had three cats and she had one cat that was nasty. Um, it, it would, it would give you cat scratch fever. If it, if you touched it, it would bite you. You know, it was just yeah. really scary. That was the most, when I talked to that animal, it was the nicest animal. It was the most talkative of all three of her animals. I, I thought that was so strange. I wouldn't have expected that. Um, but but that cat opened up more than the others, so you really Could never it know. Express why it was so mean then. Um, yeah, it had it had been with a family prior to my mother in law that that a man had kicked it across the room, <laughs> uh, oh. done some things like that, and so yeah, it did not like to be touched. That's what it said. Um, but thing. when it was dying, it did not want to go to the vet. Uh, and that was one of the things I felt so sorry for my mother-in-law. I was like, sorry, but your cat really, really wants to die at home. Really wants to die at home. And so it, she was able to, to do that, but it was really hard on my mother-in-law. That's I'm sure. But that's what's nice about this is you can communicate and, and find out what they want. Like if they want to try a little longer, if they want to do a certain thing, or if they are ready to go. And death is totally different for them than it is for humans. Um, sure. it's, it's, they remember it. 
I know that's that's going to go into like past lives and stuff, which is weird. I know, but uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, um, like reincarnation, things like that. Yeah. So a lot of animals because they don't have as long lives. They are, you know, they're reincarnated. Reincarnated. They know more about um, the afterlife, if you will. They're not nervous about dying. It's not like. Uh, I think, and yeah, and I think it's a lot to do with the what we're taught. And, you know, I mean, like, especially in uh, Western religion, it is, it, it could be, it, it's a space of unknown for one, or it could be a very negative experience. Yeah. You might be going, you know, I, right. I was not raised Catholic, but very, there's a lot of Catholicism in my family. And I do know the stories of, you know, Dante's Inferno and, you know, you're going to hell if you're not good. And if you're maybe half good, you go to purgatory and, you know, like all those crazy things that, that, uh, causes us to fear the unknown. And it makes sense why we have these fears and these hangups and the other things when you lose an animal, it's for me, it's like cutting off my left arm because it's loving something that, you know, that's going to have one tenth of your life expectancy if you're lucky um and it's it's hard for me it is this this knowing how to do this though has helped me so much my when i lived in northern virginia um we had a dog and it it must have had a brain tumor or something it was circling and it had Mm -hmm. it was it had had eight seizures in 24 hours i actually called the animal communicator and she's like cat have you asked have you asked him today what he wants i'm like oh yeah okay because i just i wasn't i didn't want to take my own word you know like my own communication skills for this because i knew i was really invested in this animal well we took him to be put down and my brother and my husband were emotional wrecks bawling and i am literally while they're putting this dog down it is saying oh thank thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm like, I mean, for me, it was a sense of relief because I knew it was going, it it was just so different an experience because I could, can do this. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Do this is going to, I have a question. Mm -hmm. Do all animals come back as the same animal again? No. like an but does an animal so so I believe in reincarnation, right? Mm-hmm. But like sometimes I feel like the human you can't uh, can a spirit be a human in an animal at some point? Yes. So Anita Curtis, the lady who taught me how to do this, her mother uh, died and she came back as one of Anita's horses. I don't <laughs> believe that. See, my mother definitely would come back as a horse or a jackass or. <laughs> 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 yeah, um, my, I can say that <laughs> my um, mom, the, the the dog that I was just talking about that had the the seizures came back, but it came back as another dog. Huh. Um, yeah, I always have friends that when we talk about this, they're like, "Yeah, I want to come back as a dog, but I want to be Louise's dog." <laughs> right? <laughs> I actually the first dog that was mine as an adult. I got her when I was in college. Exactly what I needed a dog. In, in school, but she was a great dog, and I had her for about twelve years, and she traveled in different military bases with us. And when I lost her, it was that like just total breakdown. And I asked her to come back to me. I, I asked she, I was as she was 
taking her last few breaths, I was like, please come back. Oh, I'm going to cry now. And that was, uh, that was uh, 20 plus years ago. So, uh, yeah. Do you think anyway. you got her back? I don't know. I don't think I have had her back. Um, no, I don't think I have. I don't think I have each. It is funny, though. I find my dogs, like I told you this the other day, Kat, I feel like I've known Olivia before but I don't think I've known Charlotte before. Um, I love them both equally and they're amazing, but I just, and then my dog Cam, my foster from Puerto Rico, he is meant to be, he's been with me before. I mean, he, when he first met me, he was, he's glued to me. I mean, glued to me. I could, I could walk down the street with a, a you know, cats running past him and he wouldn't, he would, he would never, as long as he can see me, that's all that matters. And I've only had him for, I guess, two years now, but I mean, he was old when he came to me, um, came to live with me. So. You believe, and then this is, this is another thing. Do you believe that spirits, right? Um, spirits or spirited, like circle your life. Like you have the same things in and out of your life of this. I, I think so. I think so at least. I think you keep re-meeting the same spirits, whether whatever form they come in, um, over and over again, and you're attracted to people or things or, so, so cat, you have to know this about me. I have never owned a cat in my life. In my life. I, and Louise knows this story because it's so funny. I went to go to PetSmart to get my kids fish food. I never go to the little, cage for adopt a pet I never this never and I walked over to for some reason and my husband couldn't even believe it walked over there and he stuck in his little paw and I said Neil I met a cat and he goes excuse me <laughs> like, I, like I walked into a bar like I met this cat and I was like I, we have to bring him home and he goes why and I go he goes you hate cats I go I do Except this cat. <laughs> and like, I can't explain that connect. I, I think I've been trying to find you forever to figure out why I'm, I have this, ex like to explain the connection to this cat, but it was instant. And then, and I, I'm telling you, he's a bit of a dick, but I, I cannot explain that it's, you have to meet my cat. I have yeah. to have that. I wonder what the cat says because I think I know this person or whatever about this cat. So that's it leads me to a question, Kat. Do when we're going to have this, this episode is going to be like 18 hours long. When your animal, like in Gina's situation, can an animal identify if they, like we we second guess ourselves, right? Like mm -hmm. to your point, and a lot of the research that I, on this was, it's something we, it's innately in us, but because of all the other things that we've done, all the advances we as humans have made, we've lost and you, mm -hmm. it echoed, they echoed your words and kind of lost connection to this. Can the animals know, do they know that they, if they've been with you before? Ha, have you ever had anyone say, oh, I, I've been with this, I've been following this jackass around for the last you know, century? Yeah. I think sometimes they sometimes they know, sometimes they don't. So I had a cat. It was a similar experience to Gina. I I went the the one in Detroit, and I I was like, oh my god, I have to have this cat, but it's taken. 
And then the person's like, no, it's not. And I, it, you would have this. And I'm like, you know, like he said, that would be taken off the front of the cage. And I'm like grabbing the thing really fast. I mean, I needed this cat. My husband's like, cat, there's like other cats around here. Nope, nope, I gotta have this one. And that cat was like, I was your brother in a past life. Um, he knew, he knew. Um, I not sure, I can't remember if Anita Curtis's mom, when her mom passed, she knew she was going to come back as a specific horse, but I don't know if that horse knew that she had been her mom. So I'm not sure it's always the case. Um, yeah, I haven't talked to animals that much about past lives and stuff. Um, just, yeah, I haven't, but this whole me doing this uh, has made me believe in, in reincarnation and stuff because I do know that it happens. They come back as different things. We need a dress. No, let's do it. Because I am so, like I said, this episode's going to be like, Janice is probably like, okay, girls, keep it going. But I really have like a billion questions. Now I'm like part, part seven. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, it, it's it's, it's the cat series. <laughs> <laughs> so a little bird told us uh, that you love a martini, a dirty martini, right? Yeah. Uh, I absolutely love martinis. They're my favorite. Mine too. Uh, so we're going we're gonna to all make our martini together. And we know that you are, that you pre-made your martinis, are correct? Mm -hmm. Well, Perfect. I've got all the ingredients. Okay. Right here in separate containers. I love, which is perfect. I'm gonna, I'm gonna scroll down my, um, my screen so everyone can see my little setup I have here. Nice. Uh, good, right? Let me just make sure. There we go. And I'll just do that, and we should be good to go now. Yeah. Okay. Yes. All right. So, uh, martini, right? We're gonna do dirty martini today, but martini classically is an uh, get your containers together. And you can shake if you're going to do a dirty martini. I am not opposed to you shaking it. I am personally going to stir the drink only because that is how I am used to drinking them. What, now this is the most important thing. If you're going to take the time to make a martini, you need to like, and you're at home and you're making it properly and you're not on the fly, I would take the time to chill a glass. So whether you put some ice in there now, you wait, have it chilled, ready to go. Because once we make this cocktail, you have a few minutes to put in there before and the gin, you're going to lose, even if you've shaken it, the flavor of gin and it's gonna go away, right? All right, so let's start. So I'm gonna actually use forged gin and we're gonna put two ounces of forged into this martini. I have a, I have a gin question for you, Gina. Go. So if we're making a dirty martini. I brought up two because this is always confusing for people. I have a London dry gin and yeah. then I have an American gin. I use a London um, dry. That's what I thought you would tell me. American gins are very citrus, and when you're gonna put salinity with it, you wanna use something that's not citrus flowered. So, thank you. So you have, Dol and I'm gonna use Dolan Blanc on this one, and it's not Dolan dry, it's Dolan Blanc. It is just a little, a little drier. So I don't know if you guys just saw what I did. So I'm going, so my drink, what I put, when I use, when I do dirty cocktails, I like to do uh, one, a two to one ratio but I do a little bit less. I do two and then I do like a little bit under one. So like maybe like 0.95 because I'm going to add that last little bit with your, um, with the, the brine. My brine 
that I'm using is really, 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 really pungent. So I'm only gonna put in there about a half an ounce of two bar spoons. If you're using something from like a grocery store or not a grocery store, because um, this came from a grocery store. Um, you're using something that's, uh, you know, not a Spanish olive and it might not be so briny, you put a little bit more in there. But careful, because what'll happen eventually is that you won't taste anything that's in your drink. And then you'll wind up using way, you'll be drinking them way too fast because you're just getting the salinity and you no longer have the flavor profile of the cocktail. So, so you said two bar spoonfuls. Uh, yeah. About a proper, okay. I might need a little more then. And that's, and that's the equivalent of about, uh, about a little less than a half an ounce. So we're gonna put our ice in. Um, if you've ever followed any of my recipes online, everybody knows that I stir about 30 to 45 rotations, depending on how warm your environment is. Right now, my room is about 71 degrees, so I'm probably going to take this to 41. And you're just gonna give it a stir or a shake. Cat, you can shake if you'd like. Is that what you brought to do? I, I did, but I'm stirring. All right. We're going to give this a nice stir. And um, what you're doing dirty, which I find to be really fun, is that you can put any kind of olive in here. So this is when you're like, oh, I love blue cheese stuff. Oh, let's put them in there. You're a mozzarella olive. Great. You want just the olive. Sounds like a plan. But one thing I find really, really lovely in doing the cocktail like this is that you can take the minute to put in here, um, you can see them to put in here like an herb. So I'm gonna actually put in here, it's a little bit of um, thyme. And I wanted to show you, when the glass is cold, I just take it and I wipe it in here. And you can leave it inside your drink if you like, or you, know, or you can take it out, but you wanna just basically use the oils. And we are going to strain this. And you have this really, you know, still clear. It definitely smells, mine really smells very olive-y. Um, you can see like a little bit of the ester of the olive on top. And then I wanted to do mine just a little bit funny just because I knew that this would make everybody laugh a bit. Um, mine is gonna be more of like a deli. So I'm putting on there, on mine, it's gonna be a charcuterie martini and it's mozzarella with soppressata uh, wrapped around it. So ridiculous, right? So almost to the point where I think it's so ridiculous, I'm gonna remove this <laughs> and do that. Now I have olives. I have mine have um, almonds and then a pepper. Little I love that. And then if you see this one, you can literally put anything you want inside of there. This is just mozzarella stuffed inside of an olive. Oh wow! So a little slit and put whatever you like. I have jalapenos. And, <laughs> Ooh, yum! Uh, so we all. We all do we all do it our own way, right? But it's kind of fun. So you're like, you know, you're offering. And you know, when you already have the olive brine in there, it doesn't matter what you put after that because you have so much olive in there, it's kind of amazing. Well, Cheers. I've never done time. I can't I'll do that yeah. next time. Ooh, this is such Cheers. a picture. Let's hold that up. Okay. So nice. I love your glass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's still drink even on the go. She does it in a proper glass. That's awesome. <laughs> that's how you really know that somebody likes what they're drinking because that's, you know, first of all, it's perfect timing for a martini. So I realize on the show we're not supposed to say what time it is, 
but it is martini time. And I love 2020 being all of the terrible things that 2020 has been. The martini has made a nice resurgence, so I'm okay with that. I think cats are kind of gal, if you think about it. We talk, we're talking about reincarnation, animals, drinking dirty martinis out of proper glasses, and we all have potty mouths. <laughs> I, I feel like we have to go to Maine. I don't even know. I'm going to pack up my, my shitty cat, and we're going to come to Maine. And we're, like, we're here. And then you're going to tell me that this was my past husband in a different life or something. <laughs> I, I have no idea why I love this cat so much. <laughs> Whatever. That is hilarious. All right, Gina, where are we going to send everyone to get um, the how to make this dirty martini? And how to find Kat. Um, you Absolutely. You designateddrinker.show. Wait, what? I'm telepathically putting it out there. Designateddrinker.show. <laughs> I think I heard you just say designateddrinker.show. That's right. That's right. I was, I was, I was thinking of you. <laughs> um, so... We're going to have all the tips, tricks, and how-tos on Gina's cocktails on this episode and all the other episodes before that came before this. And definitely we will have links um, from the episode note in the episode notes as well as on our website, how to find Kat, how to, because uh, she's, uh, she's, you know, she's only done this mostly for friends and family up till now, but she's starting a new, going into a new space, maybe opening up her uh, life to making this a little bit more of a, a business for her. So we want to make sure we support her and all of that she does. So we've got our support 100%. I'm in. So. I love it. All right. So I have one last question. But did, wait, I have one question before you go, because that's the one. That, do pets tell you dirty secrets about their owners? <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, I mean, they might not notice, know that it's a dirty secret. You know what I mean? Oh. And then just say it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, I guess they could. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All of a sudden, I'm like, oh, no, what did Libby tell her? I mean, <laughs> we've had, uh, I know the lady that I learned from, somebody called her because their ho- their person's house was broken into, and the animals saw it, and they could describe who it was. Like, there's so many, so wow. many things that can happen with, and you can talk to them. <laughs> yeah. My I'm signing up. Them too much. Yeah. All right. Okay. Now it's you, Gina. I'm sorry. I just had to know I'm that. So I'm now. All right. I got it. I got it. I got it. So yeah, in this day and age, everybody has a spirit, a spirit and animal they identify themselves with. And you might identify yourself with the lynx and you're like, you know, you're really like in tune and you really, you know, you're stealthy and you got it and you're living in the wild and that's your thing. Right. And you've really cute ears and you're like, that's how I identify myself. If you can identify yourself as a spirit ingredient, what would it be and why? And it doesn't have to be alcoholic. What ingredient defines your spirit? Hmm. Oh my gosh. A spirit ingredient? Yes. It could be for cooking. It could be for cocktails. Well, I happen to know what my spirit animal is. So I guess I'm going to say bird seed. (laughs) What's your spirit animal? Uh, It's raven. Love it. That's <laughs> Bird seed? That's yeah, amazing. maybe like a seed or something. What kind of seed? Hmm. Let's just go with a sunflower seed. I think that would be nice. That's what I was thinking because that's what I give my, my birds in my backyard in Maryland to get the ravens to come. I give oh, them, really? I'm not kidding. We give them, so robins and ravens and um, it's going right out of my head, uh, Orioles. 
all like sunflower seeds. Yeah, so we they put do like two different kinds of feeders in my yard, and we have the big sunflowers. And like we spend so much money on sunflower seeds, but I love the larger birds. It's so pretty. Well, even the chickadees, which are really small in Maine, that's the Maine state bird. They will take the sunflower seeds and they'll like go haul haul ass towards a tree and like slam it into the tree to open it up so that they can get it out. <laughs> Just the tiniest little bird, and they're like. Yeah, they're pretty hardcore. It's amazing. They're fear- fearless, it sounds I like. <laughs> what I can't even. All right. All right. I gotta all right. I gotta think about this. All right, Louise. Again, we need a whole series just with cat. I know. <laughs> all right, ladies. I know. Cheers. Thank you for coming. Thank you. And thank you so much for spending time with my little sure, video. no problem. Thank you all for right, having guys. me. Absolutely. Take care, guys. Bye. 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 Cheers. The Designated Drinker Show is produced by Missing Link, a podcast media company dedicated to connecting people to intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Missing Link is a proud partner of Hearing Charities of America, a nonprofit organization that supports those who are deaf or hard of hearing. To learn more about HCOA or to find out about Missing Link's other podcasts, head over to missinglink.company. That's missinglink.company.